Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, if you're looking for the biggest test of electoral opinion since 2019 and the biggest test before the next UK general election... Look no further. We have a bumper crop of results coming in over the next 48 hours or so. From It's May this year, local election night. It's around 9.30pm and we're in the Queen Elizabeth Hall in the centre of Oldham, a town to the northeast of Manchester. And here, the starry Labour leader of the local council, a young, good-looking guy called Sean Fielding, is waiting as the votes are counted. And in that gaggle of faces that night, Sean is well known. He'd grown up in a small town called Failsworth, which is in the borough of Oldham. He was stacking shelves in Tesco when, at 22, he was first elected to the council. And at 28, he became council leader, the youngest in the country. And during Covid, he'd become even more prominent. If I could just introduce who is standing behind me, Sir Richard Lees, leader of Manchester City Council, Councillor Sean Fielding leader of Oldham Council. When, in the depths of the pandemic, Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester, went to war with the government over local lockdowns. Even now, I am still willing to do a deal, but it cannot be on the terms that the government offered today, because on those terms, I could not meet. Sean Fielding was right behind him, standing in shot. He was talked about as a guy who could run for parliament, maybe even become a minister someday. So that night... He should have been easily re-elected. But Sean wasn't feeling good. Now, it was busy. It was busy with people that I didn't recognise. It was busy with people that wouldn't even look me in the eyes who were walking in. At 9.30, he deleted his Facebook account. Sometime after midnight, he left. He didn't wait to hear what, by then, he knew was inevitable. That he'd lost. It seems it's happened. Guys, it seems it's happened. Yes, it seems it's happened. But this wasn't a normal election upset. We have defeated Sean Fielding. The people of Failsworth have defeated Sean Fielding. They have kicked out the leader of Oldham Council. Gone. And what happened that night isn't about party politics. I think that what happened to me in terms of the campaign that was fought against me in the election is very unique in its nature. And the subject matter that I was attacked upon is something that was very emotive and was used in order to incite anger. And it was fabricated. For 18 months, Sean Fielding had been the target of a campaign waged online. 
He'd been accused of terrible, terrible things, of corruption and fraud, the worst, no doubt, that he was protecting paedophiles and gangs of abusers. And for a while, at least I guess at first, it had seemed like a paranoid internet storm, something confined to the strange bits of the internet where keyboard warriors do their battle, miles away from the real world. But that was a miscalculation. And it was a miscalculation not just of the grievances simmering in Oldham, but of one person in particular. I am a dangerous man. I am a dangerous man because I do not fear them. That's why I'm a dangerous man. I'm Basha Cummings, and in this episode of The Slow Newscast, a dark and twisted tale about the making of a new brand of town crier, one peddling stories of paedophiles and voter fraud and shadowy cartels. With the help of my colleague Xavier Greenwood and in partnership with The Mill, this is the story of a self-styled truth-teller who appended local politics and who foreshadows a bigger political problem coming for all of us. On the surface, this could be a story about Labour malaise. Sean Fielding was, after all, one of hundreds of councillors who lost their seats in May. But the story behind that spring evening is unique. Sean Fielding lost by 191 votes to a brand new hyper-local party. And depending on where you stand, that defeat was either liberating or terrifying. And why did it catch your attention? About a year ago... When I started The Mill, this new website covering Greater Manchester, I got a message on Twitter from someone who didn't use their name, but they described themselves as the Oldham I. And this was an anonymous Twitter user who claimed to be keeping an eye on corruption and grooming in Oldham. Yoshi Herman is the founder and editor of The Mill. And they said, quote, I've just read your Rochdale article, Nice Work. Now, that was a story I did about Rochdale grooming gangs and a new police investigation in Rochdale. So Oldham I, whoever that might be, sent him in the direction of a website which claimed to have explosive evidence about local council corruption and Asian grooming gangs. And what Yoshi found on that site, well, it slowly reeled him in. Here was a guy who was making a series of Baroque and sort of sensationalist allegations about Oldham Council. He was calling them corrupt. He was saying that they were so enmeshed with the Asian community in Oldham that they no longer had to care about white voters, that there were Asian cartels controlling politics in Oldham. And, you know, I was a journalist who was relatively new in Greater Manchester. I didn't know anything about Oldham politics. I didn't really have any authority to talk about the allegations. But certainly, on the face of it, they looked conspiratorial and they looked strange. And I sort of made a mental note that at some point I'd want to write something about Oldham. And um, about a year later, um, I did. 
The man making these claims had become more and more powerful over the course of just a few months. He was on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, he was running his own websites, and he was cultivating a particular personal brand too. He called himself a recusant, someone who refuses to submit to authority. And who's the main character of this story? Yeah, the main character is a man called Rajamir. Across all these platforms, with post after post and video after video, he was cultivating a very particular theory. If only the people of the town knew then what they now know. Do not fear them. Do not fear any of them. A theory dialed directly into bitter local concerns, but one that, to anyone familiar with the brand of politics that was forged by Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller, or more recently by Marjorie Taylor Greene and the paranoid world of QAnon, clearly connects to bigger global themes too, of the forgotten working class and of a self-satisfied metropolitan elite ruling over us all with impunity. Ain't you, Sean? You're a liar. You can see me if you want, Sean. I've got the paperwork to prove it. You're a liar. Absolute liar. Rajamir had identified a potent cocktail of allegations and had directed them at local leaders, and he was growing a substantial following. And over time, these ideas had taken root in the community. They'd branched out from Facebook groups and YouTube videos onto the streets of Failsworth and Oldham. And so, with Yoshi and Zav, I wanted to understand how we had arrived here how it was that this angry recusant had been born. Because for Rajamir, MBE, it wasn't always this way. He works for a while as a youth officer for the Children's Society. And it's kind of in his late 20s that he rises to prominence. He founds an anti-extremism charity called Peacemaker. He starts it in the late 90s. And his idea is basically that... Oldham is sliding into community and racial segregation. The South Asian communities, which is mainly Pakistani and Bangladeshi immigrants, are not living alongside the white residents of Oldham. And then in 2001, Oldham is hit by a series of violent rioting in an area of the town called Glodick that has a large number of 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 Asian residents. They claim the police are failing to protect them from white racists, a charge the police deny. From Oldham, Kevin During the day, tension had risen when some members of the National Front had arrived at this pub in Oldham. The talk was of retaliation. Hundreds of police in riot gear were deployed throughout Oldham to deter further rioting. They dealt with groups of both white and Asian youth. And I think for Rajamir, that's a vindication of his hypothesis about the town because it shows that the town does have really deep-seated community problems and the subsequent government reports about the riots identify segregated communities as the problem and suddenly the work that he's doing is in vogue it's it's needed a few months later after the Oldham riots we have September the 11th, the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York and across the states. And suddenly, the need for someone like Rajamir, who says that he can reach across community boundaries and he can bring people together 
and he can counter segregation and counter extremism, suddenly that need is there and suddenly his work is very prominent in Oldham. Here was a man who'd built a successful career from understanding the dynamics of community and of diagnosing ethnic tensions, who'd worked to counter extremism with PREVENT, the government's controversial programme to reach people vulnerable to being radicalised. You talked a little bit about Rajmir, but I'm, I'm curious to know who he is as he would describe it. Because what he would say he is and what you've checked out a slightly different thing. So so how would he describe himself, do you think? First of all, he would describe himself as Rajamir MBE, which is an award he got in 2004 for his work countering extremism in Oldham as part of his peacemaker charity. He would also say he grew up in a working class Bangladeshi family in Oldham and that he understands the South Asian community in the town better than the Labour Party figures who who run the town. I think he would say he's someone who can speak for ordinary people in Oldham better than Oldham's leaders can. And I do this on I do do this on purpose. I play on my working class roots and my ethnicity and all of that. And I and I like to reinforce I'm just an ordinary blog from uh, who grew up in Westwood. But there's a time in my life when I advise multiple prime ministers. In a place once talked about as Britain's most ethnically divided town with a large Asian community where race relations had been tense, where they'd bubbled over into violence, you can totally see why a man like Rajamir would be a compelling figure. But if you dig a little deeper, the picture isn't quite what it seems. So tell me more about Peacemaker. It was a charity. Yeah, this is a small charity that Rajamir founded. It grows to have an office in Manchester. Staff working on it feel like they are doing really good work, that they're bridging divides in communities that have been really divided, that they are helping young men in particular in the Asian community not be vulnerable to extremism. But we've spoken to staff who worked at Peacemaker who also flagged concerns about how it was being run. They were suspicious of what was going on with money. And the former staff member said, and I quote, he lived a very flash lifestyle. Everything was brand new. Everything was very fancy. And I was thinking, we're a really small charity. So that staff member's telling us about Rajamir driving expensive cars, despite the fact that he was running a small charity. So there was a dissonance there. In 2011, Peacemaker closes with debts of at least £200,000. The staff member we've spoken to was suspicious about how things ended. This staff member told us at around the same time, Mia had started a different group doing very similar work called RISE, and that that charity seemed to be fine financially which was strange. Mm. Why close down the one that's won you the MBE, that's been praised by the government, that's done all this creditable work and start something else? And RISE is an interesting detail in Rajamir's backstory. It appears to be a charity set up to deliver very similar work to Peacemaker against extremism and radicalisation, but with an added objective, responding to cases of sexual grooming. And that's important. I'll come back to it. 
Beyond its registration on Company's house, it's actually hard to find much evidence of its work. In fact, one man that we spoke to, who agreed to be on the board of Rise as a director, says that he was never invited to any meetings, that he never heard about who any of the other directors were, and that he'd never even heard of any activities that the charity was organising. He was left in the dark. And when I put this to Rajamir, he didn't respond to questions about Peacemaker or Rise, but he did say, I'm a Bangladeshi Muslim with an MBE for services to my community, a community that to this day I continue to serve. And the reason that we're picking back over this is because of the person that Rajamir went on to become and and sort of fact-checking his past is an important part of understanding the character that he is now because he says things that he's done and, and, and roles that he's played and perhaps it's not quite as he presents it. So what does he do after he leaves the, the charity? In 2011, the charity Peacemaker closes and the next year... Rajamir writes a short op-ed column for the Times newspaper announcing a new project, which is a new free school. It's called the Collective Spirit Free School. At the time, Rajamir identified a fear that local people had about free schools and came up with a compelling solution. In the Times newspaper, he wrote that critics of what he called the free schools revolution say that they'll only divide communities that, quote, hundreds of faith schools will pop up, encouraging an unhealthy self-segregation so that little Muslim girls never meet little Christian boys. But his schools, he said, would be different. His schools would break down the barriers of adversity and segregation. When we first got told about it, obviously it sounded pretty good. Better opportunity for our education. My colleague Zav spoke to a parent whose 11-year-old had been at Rajamir's Collective Spirit School for a year. They wanted to remain anonymous and they said that initially they had been really optimistic about this new school. They liked the sound of it all. But after a couple of months, things started to look quite different. The parent told us there was a high turnover of teachers in and out of the school, that the headmasters kept changing and that the kids weren't really being kept under any kind of control. I mean, he was, he's been around primary for six years, never had an issue with him, never missed school, never did anything wrong. Teachers always praised him. And that one year, he went to collect the spirit, ruined his life. And there were safety concerns too. He had it on, what they call it, adrenal condition. Obviously his body was making less salts, which obviously if he had an injury or something, could he, he could easily collapse. And therefore they would have had to give him some sort of glucose gel and some, which was all in his paperwork. The parent gave the school forms, instructions, so that in case of an accident, staff would know what to do. I don't, I think the people that were put in place, I don't think they ever knew how to run a school. To the extent where the secretary of that school lost my child's paperwork on three occasions. The, the paperwork they lost had his important medical information on it, which something would have happened to him. He could have, he could have ended up in a coma and they lost them sort of paperwork. And you get a picture from all this, don't you, from Rise and from the schools, that perhaps Rajamir is more of an ideas man, not the guy who delivers. 
And this is where Rajamir's rather glittering backstory starts to lose its shine. Very quickly, the school faces criticism from staff and parents. There are more accusations of bullying and a dictatorial leadership style. And a pattern of behaviour begins to emerge, similar to the experience of staff at the charities that he ran. A teacher described Mir as charismatic but narcissistic, that he doesn't like anyone challenging him. Soon, the disarray at the schools attracts the attention of the school's regulator, Ofsted, and of the Department of Education. I mean, these schools end up being closed down. They were shut in 2017 and 2018, so they really didn't have a very long life. In that short life, they have raised concerns from parents, from teachers, the council is onto them, Ofsted is giving them negative reports, mm. and then eventually, a government investigation is published in May 2019 that finds, and I quote, a number of significant failings in both the governance and financial control arrangements at the schools. Schools Week uh, newspaper reports that Mia has been, quote, secretly blacklisted from any involvement in schools as a result. So what went on in these schools? Well, one local report said there was no functioning computer network. There were basic safety failures. There was missing financial information. Um, there was a million pounds in debt by the time that the government moved in. We also know from the government report that the schools paid more than two million pounds to multiple companies linked to Raja Mir. So there are major concerns here about the financial probity of these schools, major concerns about their ability to teach children. When I put this to Rajamir, he didn't respond to questions about his time running schools. He did say that it is his belief that I'm part of a coordinated campaign of racially motivated harassment and intimidation against him. And so after the government report, Rajamir was being found out and he didn't like it. He didn't like it one bit. This was a man who had ambition, who was, he said, a healer of communities. But whatever pacifying, peaceable qualities that he had, he started to shed them around this time, 2019. After the government report into the school's mismanagement was published, Rajamir starts to transform. Do not fear them. Do not fear any of them. It looks like in May 2019, when the government's report came out about his schools, which cast major doubts not only about the schools, but also about him. He starts posting quite a lot on his personal Facebook page. But his posts are pretty low-key. They're about a local mosque in Oldham. He's um, alleging that local Labour figures, including the leader of the council, are too close to this particular mosque, that they've been holding political events. We're talking about a month in which there are local elections across the country, including in Oldham. And... Yeah, he's a guy who's got a seemingly a personal vendetta against the council, probably because the council has been involved in flagging some of the issues at his schools. He's got an issue with this local mosque in the area where he grew up. But nothing about those posts would necessarily suggest that within months he's going to have a local rabid following. And it's important to note what's going on around him at this time. After years of botched investigation, more and more men were being convicted of the organised abuse of young women and girls in what's known as the Asian gang grooming scandal. 
In that year, 2019, six more men were convicted in Rotherham, all of them Asian. They treated their victims as worthless and beyond any respect. Today, a judge at Liverpool Crown Court sentenced the men convicted of grooming and sexually exploiting young girls in Rochdale to jail terms ranging between... They lured the girls with fast food and taxi rides and gave them drugs and alcohol to stop them resisting. The victims were aged between 13 and 15. And the complex role that race had played in the police mishandling of the problem was well documented. A report called the J Report, published a few years earlier, had said that council workers in Rotherham were afraid of being accused of racism if they talked about the perpetrators as mostly being Pakistani taxi drivers. There were accusations that council leaders had looked the other way or even covered up the abuse. The leader of Rotherham Council was forced to step down. And this was all once again coming to a head in 2019. And Maggie Oliver, a former detective constable with the Greater Manchester Police, had just published a book about her role in revealing sexual abuse by Asian gangs in Rochdale. I was at the the coalface watching, talking to these kids who have been abused and seeing senior officers allowing it to continue and knowing full well what was going on. And this, it seems, was influencing Rajamir. At first, he had been focused on criticism of a local mosque. But this only got him so far, Yoshi said. You've got these things in the ether. And I think what happens is Rajamir realises that the previous audience for his Facebook post, which is members of his own community where he grew up um, with these complaints about the mosque, actually, they're not that into him. You see a lot of comments under those posts saying, well, you, you're a crook, you know, you took money from the schools, like you, you're, you're a disreputable character, you haven't been living in the community recently. So he goes for a different line of attack. Around this time, he began to include Asian cartels and grooming gangs in his posts. In the summer of 2019, his focus shifts again to a very specific, very serious allegation. So clearly he doesn't get the cut through in, in, in the spring of 2019. By the August, he's trying something completely different. And the big difference is not just that the allegations are about grooming gangs and Asian cartels. The big difference is his audience is now white people in Oldham. And they seemingly are much more responsive to his new ideas. And as some listeners will know, Rochdale is not very far from Oldham. Rochdale also has a high proportion of South Asian residents. And I think when I speak to some people in Oldham, you get the impression that they almost assume there's a similar Rochdale-style street grooming problem because there sort of has to be. It's like, well, it happened in Rochdale, you know, and it happened in Rotherham, and it happened in Telford and it happened in Oxford, and those places have big South Asian communities. So it sort of has to be happening here. But that's prejudice, isn't it? It's total prejudice. It's nonsense. But... Rajamir realises that people think that. He realises that he can tap into something quite rich and something quite deep, which is this feeling that we're going to be next. Now, of course, it is possible that his interest in grooming cases came from his time working in charities and his apparent focus on sexual grooming with his charity Rise. What he was saying here was sensational. It was explosive. If what he was alleging is true, it should be investigated. And various people, his followers and his critics, have urged him to take any evidence that he has to the police. But he hasn't. And he hasn't published either what he's described as his dossier of evidence. 
And remember, I have a dossier of evidence here. I know the council of it as well because it's got the council's letter-headed uh, correspondence all over it. Of the grooming and gang rape. The systematic grooming and gang rape of white working class girls from outside Countill School. Instead of reporting the alleged corruption and abuse, Rajamir trained his online campaign on three people. The first, Sean Fielding, who you've already met, who was then the Labour leader of the council. The second was on Jim McMahon, who was the council leader during the Free Schools fiasco and is now the Labour MP for Oldham West and Royton. And in return, what is very clear is this mosque is controlled by uh, the OBA cartel, the Labour Party cartel in, in this area and they provide the block vote to the Labour Party, particularly Jim McMahon in recent years. And thirdly, on a woman called Arud Shah, who is now the new leader of Oldham Council and the first Muslim woman to run a council in the north of England. We are here. Arud Shah, leader of Oldham Council, with her entourage of gangsters, heroin dealers, kidnappers... And together these three politicians were drawn into the increasingly sophisticated and complex theory that Rajamir had come up with. One that was rooted in Oldham, which not long ago was classed as the most deprived place in England. A place where certain people felt that white people in particular were being left behind. These politicians have created a climate of fear in this town. They have given free reign to the Islamists and the heroin dealers from the Pakistani community to go out and attack people who are... And look, let's be honest. All we've asked for, all we have ever asked for... Truth. ...is to safeguard our children from grooming and gang rape. And the thing is, there's really no one around to challenge him. There's no one to fact-check him. Oldham is a bit of a news desert, where the local newspapers are run by a tiny staff, the biggest of which is actually run out of Bolton, which is 25 kilometres away. He brings in loads of really abstruse local information. It's almost like in a town which has been stripped of all its media and all its newspapers, he is now the evening news. And he tells people what's going on with the council. And sometimes some of the things he says are true. You know, sometimes he identifies real failings, like not being open about the fact that the council had Shabir Ahmed from the Rochdale grooming gangs on their payroll, not being open about the fact that, you know, a taxi driver got a license despite having a sexual conviction. And if you put all those things together, and people already dislike the council because they feel the council hasn't delivered the regeneration of Oldham that's been promised, hasn't made their lives better despite them paying some of the highest council tax rates in the country. Yeah, it's a mix that people find believable. And has a very particular, you know, racial and ethnic makeup and the tensions that come along with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Raj Amir is sowing his seed in a very particular bed, which is a town that is not only economically deprived, but has had real issues between communities, as we saw with the riots. And, you know, if you go on his Facebook page, the message at the top is with racism weaponized and the working classes betrayed, a network of corrupt politicians now control vast territories across the country. He says, supported by their associates in the mainstream media and aided by criminal Asian cartels, these politicians rule in the manner identical to despots from children's stories books. It's almost like he's taking part in some sort of 
TV drama. It's almost like he's writing a film about his town, this sort of gothic narrative mm. of secret cabals who are collaborating behind closed doors to screw over the people of Oldham. It's like you're paying a council tax to a council that doesn't care about you, and it's conspiring with people to keep you poor and to funnel the money to other causes. It's all totally unevidenced, but I think for a lot of people it's been quite um, quite powerful. So Rajamir, the recusant, was born, and soon there was a professionalism to his online presence. His audience was growing, he was reaching thousands of people in his Facebook and YouTube posts, and there were six or seven other Facebook groups in particular that were amplifying him. Groups called things like Proud of Oldham and Saddleworth or Failsworth Matters. Some of them open, some of them closed, managed by locals and catering to an audience of around 17,000 people. Here, accusations, rumour, intrigue would meet and ferment and grow into certainty, out of the sight of the very people who were being accused, who weren't invited inside. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, sometimes I think, God, this could happen anywhere, actually. This could happen in any, any town that's fallen on hard times and, you know, where a lot of people are on Facebook, which is dozens of mm. towns in this country, maybe hundreds. But then I think, how many people are going to be as energetic as Rajamir? Like, this guy is posting two-hour-long transmissions on Facebook and YouTube. He's running a subscription-only blog. He's got, like, branding at the beginning and end. He's got, like, widgets that allow people to pay him via buying him a coffee, this website, Buy Me a Coffee. He's putting so much effort into it. And as you say, he's very cleverly branded. He has this slogan, do not fear them, do not fear any of them, which he constantly plays in his videos. He puts it at the end of every post. And what it's supposed to be saying is, don't fear the leaders of Oldham. They might be evil. They might be corrupt. They might be trying to screw you over, but you shouldn't fear them. You've got to fight back. I think 
the output that he puts on Facebook is doing the opposite. It's saying, you should be fearful. You should be terrified because your leaders don't care about you and they are willing to do anything in protect order to protect pedophiles. To protect pedophiles. They're yeah. allow- they, they are allowing the town's children, including your children, our children, he often says, to be raped by pedophiles. So he says, don't fear them. But his whole project is about whipping up fear. In 2019, Raja Mir published email correspondence between the local MP, Jim McMahon, and a BBC journalist from six years earlier. It's an email which had been leaked to him, and it proved to be a key bit of evidence, something he used to bolster his claim that the council and the local Labour Party were ignoring Asian grooming gangs operating in Oldham, that they just weren't investigating the shisha bars where abuse might be going on. For Debbie Barrett-Cole, a friend and supporter of Rajamir's, those emails seemed like a smoking gun, one fired by Jim McMahon, who was the leader of Oldham Council at the time. What he did, he exposed it, if you like. He exposed it, and I put my own interpretation into it. And I just thought about all these children that was that was being taken to these grooming bars, these shisha bars, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, he's the leader of the council, and he should be telling all the parents in Oldham, keep an eye on your kids and don't let them be going in any shisha bars, or you know, he shouldn't be covering this this up to to to, to in case it creates creates racial tension. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute, why is it? Why will it create racial tension? Oh, hang on a minute, it's Asian men that that are doing this grooming, and that's when it 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 just it was a bit like a red rag to a bull to me. I'll be honest with you. He's a really nice guy. He is a nice guy. He's got his agendas. Everybody's got his agendas. You've got your agenda. Everybody's got their agenda. Don't get. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not silly. But I actually do believe that Raja's agenda is a genuine one. I think he's, he is trying to, to to save the time. I think he's trying to actually highlight what's going on to rectify it to to get it right. I've done my research, I've done my homework and I've had people contacting me. So, and and you know what I've had from Oldham Council? I've had brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Which brings us to the end of 2020, a dark couple of months, as you'll remember, of lockdowns and surging COVID deaths, a time when lots of us were separated from loved ones and stuck inside. And this is when Rajamir really begins to focus on Sean Fielding. Rajamir moves around to his most vulnerable target at the time. So prior to the general election, he was attacking Jim on a number of fronts, and that was an attempt to get him deselected as a Labour candidate. When that was unsuccessful and Jim was reselected and then re-elected as the Labour MP, he started looking for his next most vulnerable target, and that was me. And this is where the two stories of Rajamir and Sean Fielding really first meet. Because Sean Fielding announces he's standing for re-election in Failsworth West, a ward in a town sandwiched between Manchester and Oldham, but which had been subsumed into the borough of Oldham in 1974. Failsworth is a predominantly white community. Oldham has a large Asian population. And that dynamic is really important. Whilst people can have legitimate grievances with Oldham Council, there is always an undertone because of the 
ethnic makeup of Alderman, the ethnic makeup of Failsworth, of uh, Failsworth is not happy about being administered from a place that has a large ethnic minority population. And that is a, an undertone that runs through much of the um, discontent and resentment that I used to pick up when I was a local councillor there. Sean is a local boy through and through. His dad was a bus driver and active in the trade union. His mum worked for Manchester City Council. This was a community that knew him. He'd done a paper round as a kid. He'd played piano at the Christmas concert at the church. He was 22 when he was first elected to the council. And it was just a nice feeling for people to say, oh, it's good to see you and that sort of thing. People I hadn't seen for a long time. And it was all going pretty well for Sean Fielding. In late 2018, he took a call from the Labour MP, Jim McMahon, who said to him, you should go for the leadership of the council. I thought about it and it was, it, like I say, it was really late on. And I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I, yeah, I contested the leadership election and won by a, a decent margin in the end. But local politics is a viper's nest. And as it is with councillors in every community, not everyone was happy with the work that Sean Fielding was doing. From the get-go, he attracted snide remarks about his age and about his previous job working at Tesco. And then in October last year, he bought the town's ailing shopping centre, Spindles, for almost £10 million in the middle of the pandemic. He wanted to move the town's beloved Tommyfield market from its historic site and move it into the Spindles. If you speak to people who grew up in Oldham in the 1950s and 1960s, they are going to mention the market within two minutes of talking because it was a point of pride. And like a lot of these markets, it's been buffeted by forces like online shopping and Amazon. But I think Tommy Field holds this kind of totemic place in the Oldham imagination. Mm. And uh, now it's coming to an end. So Yoshi and I took a drive from the centre of Manchester, where Yoshi's office at the mill is, out and up to Oldham, with its glorious views out onto the moors. And we went, really, to, to visit this monument to Sean Fielding's ambition, or his wastefulness, depending on who you talk to. What did it used to be like? It was really busy. <laughs> well, you didn't have time to sit down, did you, Michaela? No. It was, it was, it was great. People milling in and out all the time. The community, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just dying. I mean, there's a, a stall at the back. He retired last week, so that's closed now. There's, there's quite a few in the empty stalls. It's, it's sad, because it, it was a, a good little market at one time. But the outside market died, I think, a few years ago. Just a couple of hundred metres away stands the Spindles Shopping Centre. So this building coming up is Spindles Shopping Centre. And this is the one that the council bought very recently for about 10 million quid. And you'd be hard-pressed to find someone around here who's delighted about that decision, apart from maybe Sean Fielding, who described it as an absolute bargain. The council thinks they can regenerate this whole area and make Spindles the sort of centrepiece, but I think a lot of people think, well... You haven't managed to regenerate much of the town, so we don't particularly have that much faith in you that you're going to regenerate it here. And it's big, showy, local projects like this shopping centre that made some people suspicious of Sean Fielding. And maybe you can hear a hint of it in his voice, but this is a guy who's self-assured, outspoken. He could easily rub people up the wrong way. 
people annoyed by his meteoric rise to power in the community. And so what did you, what did you find out about him at that time? Well, I, as I do with any, anybody that kind of starts attacking me online, I just Google them and see who, what's the background. And then, of course, I Googled Rajamita and all the stuff came up about how uh, Jim had been very critical of um, the failure of the schools that he was in charge of. But there were reports of financial irregularities at these schools and allegations that he had pocketed money from them. So when I saw that, I just thought I was quite dismissive of it because I thought, here's a guy with an axe to grind and he's just slinging as much dirt at the council and uh, anybody associated with Jim McMahon so that when the law eventually catches up with him, he's discredited the, um, the, the prosecution that I believe to be inevitable and I believed would take place sooner. He starts posting. Initially, you you were quite bullshit online, right? You sort of you were quite dismissive about what was being thrown at you in quite a sort of in a way that felt relatable to me because you know you're a young guy on social mm-hmm. media and you sort of gave back pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just looked at it and I thought this is ridiculous and did the, all the things like you know where there was the Manchester Evening News article about the school being terrible and question marks over money and kids not being fed and all that and just put things like this you question mark with a link to the story in an attempt to kind of bat it off but yeah what 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 became clear was because of the nature of the issues that he was using the nature of the attacks the history of Oldham and the things that could give credibility to the things that he was saying actually people were more receptive to what he was saying and what I was responding with was not neutralizing it at all if anything, I was accused of trying to discredit somebody who was raising legitimate concerns. Right, so you ended up looking like the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Soon the campaign was just sprawling out of control. Not only was Rajamir attacking Sean Fielding in his weekly live video transmissions, he was also posting about him in these large local groups, insulting him on Twitter, and clearly getting under this young council leader's skin. At that point, were you scared? Were you stressed? Were you? How were you feeling? You didn't know quite. I didn't know quite how to deal with it because I thought, even though there's quite a bit of noise on Facebook, you know, this isn't representative. People are more sensible than that. The silent majority can see this for what it is. But I was still in a place where you were like, do you engage with this? Because by engaging with it, do I give it credibility? My tactic became after having tried to be dismissive of it earlier on, when it started to get more traction and more engagement, my tactic was to kind of just get out pretty straightforward, clear messages about what I was doing on the platforms where I could get a fair hear, fairer hearing that if ever I was tagged into anything or asked a question, I could refer to that. There's a statement on the council website. Here's a news article about the council's Ofsted report, that sort of thing. And I thought that that was the way of dealing with it. And it spilled out onto the street too. One night, Sean and some of his friends went for dinner. He decided to leave his car at home so that he could have a drink with his mates, and he was walking to his local tram stop. And probably only a couple of hundred yards from my house, somebody was walking in the opposite direction towards me that I recognised as somebody that lived a few doors down from me. And he stopped me, he clearly had a drink, and he said, you're Sean Fielding who's covering up shagging kids, and then started to be really abusive towards me and really threatening. And I rang the police after that incident. And that was when I thought, this is serious, you know, because people are starting to act in person in the street on the basis of believing stuff that I thought was exclusively online in kind of 
crank echo chambers. In 2020, the attacks began to intensify. They became much more aggressive. Help get this man and his scumbags out of our town. Every week at 7pm, or at 1900 hours as he wrote in the description, he was speaking to his fans and followers. In the place of a local broadcaster was the recusant Rajamir. Do not fear them. Do not fear any of them. And there's a really particular dynamic to these transmissions. His followers and fans can comment live as he speaks. He often mentions them by name, thanks them for coming. It's a pretty warm and friendly place if you're on the right side. And it's making Rajamir money too. We worked out that since December, he's earned more than £6,000 from the website Buy Me A Coffee, where his supporters can donate the equivalent of a cup of coffee. If you include the money that he makes from Patreon and his subscription blogging platform, he appears to earn just over £1,000 a month from his followers. You can even buy merchandise from his site, T-shirts, hoodies, stainless steel, water bottles emblazoned with the words, do not fear them part of his tagline it's my town (laughs) it's your town it's our town and even if it was futile we know how powerful sean fielding is we know how corrupt uh the council is we know i think at this point we're in december last year it's six months before the election rajamir is really zoning in on sean fielding this man has committed a crime In a democracy like ours, politicians cannot be seen to be above the law. They cannot. And if they are... It's like previously he's been a gunner finding his range and then he zones in. And at this point, it's got to the point where he's trying to get Sean Fielding arrested. That's what he's talking about in this video. All we are asking is for the police to do their job and arrest Sean Fielding. They have got to arrest Sean Fielding and question him under caution. So how did that play out? So um, it it said that I was guilty of a number of crimes, which it didn't specify. There were more signatories on it than I expected. You know, people leaving comments like, he must pay for his crimes. And I thought, well, tell me what crimes I've done. Not only do we want you arrested, we want you put in prison. And that's not just me. As thousands of us in this town, we want an example made out of a corrupt paedophile protecting politician and we want him put in prison. And then Rajamir found an ally, one that could bridge the divide between his world and Sean Fielding's world. A man called Mark Wilkinson, an ex-copper, who decided to run against Sean Fielding in Failsworth West. So talk to me about when you realised that there was going to be opposition to you that was somehow linked to this man that had caused you already so much grief online. So the Failsworth Independent Party and Mark Wilkinson were very, very closely linked to Rajamir for a long time. Um, and then and then he appeared in one of these videos, which I was really surprised. I was really surprised that he was so foolish to make his association with Rajamir so overt. We've gone into a fight, knowing now we're out-muscled, out-gunned. The press were against us. The police were against us. They'd mobilised everyone. And so far, we've given as good as we've got. And on that night, the 6th of May 2021, at 9.30pm, Sean Fielding deleted his Facebook account, 
He was sick of it all. Sick of being accused in closed groups where he couldn't defend himself. Sick of being called a paedophile protector. I said, I said, I've, I've lost. And he said, oh, is there no way that it can come back? Is there not like some postal votes that have not been counted yet? I said, I said there are, but it's not enough. Uh, and she said, oh, well, you know, you've got two options. You can either stop all night, um, shake his hand and say congratulations, or you can write a statement which we'll issue at the declaration and you can go home. And I said, I'm not shaking that man's hand. I'm not shaking his hand after all the abuse that I've had from his family and supporters. Um, and after the things that he's been sharing online in places where I can't counter them. I said, I'll write a statement, I'm going to go home. Sean Fielding went home that night, and then he went on a short mini-break with his girlfriend. He just wanted to get away from it all. And Rajamir was jubilant. If his transmissions and his posts are to be believed, he'd won. When I emailed Rajamir with a detailed list of questions, his response was, perhaps, to be expected. He replied that it didn't feel right for him to respond to such preposterous allegations. He said that he's a victim of a malicious campaign by Labour Party sympathetic journalists. He said that I was only the latest privileged white liberal to attempt to push a predetermined narrative of intimidation and racially motivated harassment on behalf of the local MP Jim McMahon. And he ended it with a threat. He wrote... Be in no doubt that I will also take action against you personally and report you to the police. But things are getting more difficult for Rajamir. At the end of July, he was arrested on suspicion of a racially aggravated public order offence and malicious communications. And what do you think motivates him? I, I think he's a sociopath. I think he craves attention and he's, he's got a very fragile ego which was damaged with the bad publicity that he got from the schools and he's just out for revenge. But the arrest isn't stopping Rajamir. He says that he's innocent and he's not been charged, but he's used it as evidence that he's being silenced. In the paranoid, recusant worlds that he's created, everything can be evidence of corruption. Cancel mishaps or incompetence or admittedly dodgy activity. It all bolsters his claim to the people of Oldham that tune in every week to his transmissions that the powerful are working against you, that those people that you fear really are doing bad things and that it's okay to think so. I've done my own investigations and I've done my own stuff. And I've not just listened to Rajamir, but do you know what? He's, talk he's talking a lot of sense. The lad is talking a lot of sense, and, and do you know what? In the one breath, I thank God that he has. But in the next breath, I, I think I'd rather... I, 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 do I want to go back to being oblivious? You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't put them worms back in that can once, once they've been opened. Debbie's right. The worms are out. And they're wriggling around not just in Oldham, but everywhere in thousands of closed Facebook groups where the angry and the forgotten and the dispossessed can get together and feel a part of something and say what they want without consequence. In fact, one of the first pieces that Tortoise, the newsroom behind this podcast, ever published was by my colleague Zav, and it was about how instrumental a Facebook group in South Wales had been in overthrowing the Labour Council. There's a giddying power in that. But of course it's important because at its heart this is a story about what happens when people, unpoliced by truth and without consequence, can fill the vacuum created by a decline in local news and a decline really in enthusiasm for political parties. 
Without a trusted source of local news, news that reflects the place that you live in all of its local, minute complexity, without checks on targeted conspiracies and malicious accusations online, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised when somebody like Rajamir steps in, branded cap in tow, to fill the void. Do not fear them. Do not fear any of them. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. It was produced in collaboration with The Mill. It was reported by Yoshi Herman, Xavier Greenwood and me. It was produced by Gary Marshall, edited by Matt Russell. And the beautiful original music that you heard was composed by Tom Kinsella. And if you'd like to join in more at Tortoise and take part in more of our journalism, you can join us. Just go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash friend and use my code BASHA50. That's B-A-S-I-A. Five zero. Thank you, and see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job, and we have to find out who did they kill, if it's possible. How are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.